This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is my wonderful friend, Chessie King. Now, for those of you who might not know Chessie, she is a seasoned presenter, a content creator, and the founder of Welcome to Babyhood. Chessie helps to nurture and support people doing something she feels she was born to do. Originally sharing fitness content in 2014, Chessie's focus has shifted towards supporting and empowering women with her storytelling, bringing joy to her followers, and leaving them feeling connected and less alone with their personal experiences. Whether the focus is on confidence, parenting, adult relationships, or sharing practical tools for well-being, Chessie helps women feel connected emotionally, physically, and psychologically. Today, we're going to do a deep dive into how to feel better about ourselves and how to really make sure that we are finding the joy in life. Chessie, it's so great to have you with me. And actually, it feels really weird to sort of be like interviewing you because I feel like this is the kind of chat that you and I would just have generally anyway. But actually, when I was prepping my questions for this, I was really excited to actually maybe ask you some of the things that we don't discuss when we're together. 
and that I really do sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's caused me to pause and reflect on your journey and what you've gone through. And it's just been really nice. So I want to dive straight in. Obviously, like I said, you've been on an incredible journey over the last few years, particularly I'd say the last couple of years when you've gone through motherhood and kind of a whole new era of Chessie online. Um, you've been such an amazing voice in the kind of self-love space into motherhood and now, you know, an evolving entrepreneur and everything else in, in between. Um, but I want to take you back because I know that I met you before you started really sharing your life online. So I wanted to really ask you what gave you the, I guess, two things, confidence and then impetus to really start sharing you and what you do online. Oh, thank you, Alice. I feel like, yeah, this is just a FaceTime and everyone's listening in. So finally, come full circle. Obviously, we're incredibly lucky to call each other very close friends um, for each other's bridesmaids. Um, but I actually, the first thing I shared online that wasn't just a selfie with a filter on, um, on Instagram, was actually a day in the life of your life. And I remember messaging you. Um, we'd met once at a fitness class through a, a friend. And I said to you, um, I'm a presenter. I really want to share your life and what's behind the food because that's all that Alice posted at the time. Uh, it was her breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I was like, I want people to see you and uh, basically follow a day of yours. And um, yeah, I spent, I don't know if it was an entire day, but it was definitely a good chunk of the day with you. And I think I just gained, when you say confidence, I think I, I was always a bit, uh, I, I kind of had to find my voice online because I did get kind of pulled into that sea of perfection and trying to be like everyone else because that's all they saw on Instagram. And I think like everyone else who started social media back when we did, it was just uh, the thing. Like everyone wanted to be the most, um, yeah, incredible version of themselves online. And I would always get slightly worried when my following grew that people would meet me in real life and go, hold up, she looks nothing like she does on Instagram because that's, I was so um, aesthetic driven aesthetically driven and yeah it, it's wild thinking back to that isn't it Alice because I just remember you posting your poached eggs and your lovely vine <laughs> it was such a wild time I know god thinking about that now I'm like oh Jesus I think that when we first met and actually one of the things that first struck me about you and, and it's still one of the things that I just adore about you today is at, from an outsider's perspective you have an incredible sense of self and whether you realize that or not, I've always found you someone that I'm really drawn to for the fact that I think that you've always been relatively confident with who you are. And what's interesting is that I know that that's not always been the case for you, um, particularly when we look back at things like your presenting days and, and even just what you were talking about then in terms of you having to go through your own journey of finding your voice and who you are online and, and kind of going through that. But actually, for me, as a friend of yours and someone who's known you for a long time, I I was really always inspired by you in terms of your tenacity to um, try lots of different things, have the confidence to go into any situation and really, like I said, have that anchoring of your sense of self. And I think that that's one of the things that first drew me to you as a friend. And I want to dig into your kind of body acceptance journey and actually maybe before we do that I do want to take it back to 
what led you to that point? Because I know that you didn't necessarily just get there overnight. It came from and off the back of kind of a real fitness journey that you went on. So I think maybe if you could explain about that and what that took you to and why you then pulled back from that to where you are now. Yeah, I think people find it fascinating even now, like so many years after I did Bikini Comp, people are so interested in it because it is something that is so extreme that not many people actually do it. And that bikini competition, one time only, I will never, ever do it again. And I hope that Aurelia, um, I can guide her into a different direction. That's, um, I'll send her up Kilimanjaro and she can <laughs> use that as her competition. I just think there was so much. Um, I, I was kind of surrounded by fitness and and at that point it at that time as you know it was just let's do as many classes as we can in a day let's go to all of these healthy eateries that um was basically just kind of camouflaging my disordered eating at the time and I found myself kind of slipping into this uh, like it, all I thought about and it consumed me was how I looked not not necessarily for me, but how I looked at others. And I found, interestingly, when I, it wasn't necessarily how I looked to my friends and my female, like, um, solar support system. It was always to do with the male gaze. And I've only, I, I kind of stripping that back recently, I my acne, my my skin and my spots, that all kind of came from um, boys and men commenting on it. It was never females um, saying you've got spots because we, we, just, we just don't. And I think I wanted to be as, as, like back then it was, I wanted to be as small as possible for men. And it's so strange, like how my, I was so kind of delusioned and yeah it's kind of poisoned into thinking that way but I actually stopped um it, it took a while it, it probably was about seven eight years of kind of experimenting with health and to me health was very different back then um and it took me having a mini stroke and losing my hearing in my right ear on my second boxing class of the day at like 9 a.m and I was already two classes in it took that to really kind of yeah to really shake me up and be like hold up this is not yeah. what we were made to do yeah and I think that let's talk about that because that was such a huge moment in your kind of um I hate to use the word journey because I find it so cliche I've probably used it about 10 times already but it is that um, but in your own journey, that must have been such a kind of pause and reflect moment. And we all have them. You know, I can definitely reference a handful off the top of my head of moments where I've suddenly stopped and gone, hang on a second, like my perception of health, the journey that I'm going on, the things that I'm doing to get to what I think is what I want is actually in complete opposition to what health genuinely is. And I think everyone can have a point in their lives where they've maybe had their health challenged. They've had a scare. They've had something happen to them where you really do go, whoa, okay, what really matters here? And I guess I'd love to hear from you what you what that really felt like for you. Yeah, I think it was just my body's way of screaming out, like, stop. And it was telling me, like, you have pushed me way too far. Um, and 
Like you said, every single person, all of my friends, all of my family, we've all had those moments and they are so personal. And how you react to them is, I think, how it changes your kind of trajectory on life. And mine, luckily, I saw as like, right, this is, oh, I, I'm still, it, it, what completely blows my mind is that I'm still having um problems from that one moment from that one decision i made to go into a second class when i was already exhausted and i hadn't probably eaten all day i don't remember that was 2016 and i'm what with six years seven years after and i'm still dealing with the problems that happened and i know that it wasn't just one thing but i just find it amazing that I couldn't have the birth I wanted to, which uh, in the end, it was the healthiest birth I could possibly have. Um, but I, I actually had the choice taken away from me and they said, no, you have to have a cesarean because of your heart condition. And that all stemmed from that period of my life, which is just amazing because I wish, you know, that classic question that's like, what would you go back and tell your 16-year-old self? And I just always think like, don't think of your 16-year-old self. Think of your 80-year-old self because she doesn't want you to be doing this right now because it's all about longevity and like it it really is about the rest of your life. It's and you almost have to be quite um selfless for the future you and be like, right, I'm making decisions not just for today, but like for me when I'm 30 and me when I'm yes, being healthy enough to like run around if you have grandchildren and whatever. So yeah, I think um, uh, I'm glad it happened. I'm really glad it happened, even though I've still got tinnitus, which is so loud and, and I've got hearing loss, but it, it really stopped me in, in my, it really changed my path and as to where I was going. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, when thinness is the number one objective when it comes to everything you're doing and everything is about being in a smaller body. And and just as you reference, like, you know, particularly being attractive to the opposite sex and making sure that you you lead with your appearance rather than you lead with who you are. Um, it can be such a hard mindset to get yourself out of if you start to move away from the body that you once were in, that people told you was incredibly desirable, that you felt incredibly confident in even the smallest shift away from that place can feel so um, kind of scary and also really challenging to work through. And I wondered if you could talk about, you know, what you found most challenging coming away from a smaller body and what really helped you to, to, to not only begin that process, but to really see it through. I think a huge part of it were, was like rebranding my wardrobe and I would always buy clothes that were too small in hope that I'd fit into them in the future. So actually, none of my clothes really ever fit me because I, they would all be way too small for me and I'd try and squeeze myself in. And I think a lot of people have like size. Um, I don't know if it's dysmorphia, but you, we're all like kind of, we we look at sizes in different shops and we kind of pick them up thinking that that's what, what it is, what what we are, sorry, what size we are. And sizes, especially seeing like Aurelia's clothes from a young age, they are all completely different sizes. Like some of her six to nine month clothes still fit her and she's nearly two. And I'm like, that's bizarre. But then a three-year-old's dress is too small on her. So I think from such a young age, we are 
kind of just we're almost like it's in our DNA it's like written in our brain that we have to look for these sizes that we deem to be achievable but actually they mean nothing and I think we have like kind of broken through those barriers and like shattered that that um idea that our wardrobe has to all be a size 12 or a size 10 and I uh, even before I was pregnant I was wearing size 14, 16 clothes. And I, back when I was my tiniest, I used to look up and think, oh my God, it's just wild how my body has gone from, and everyone's body obviously shifts and molds. And that's what is so incredible. Um, I think about pregnancy as well. It teaches you that you, for your whole life, you've wanted to be the smallest version of you. And actually the bigger I got, the more confident I felt and the closer I was to meeting Ray. So it was the most incredible time to feel in my body. And that's why like pregnancy dresses, you think they're all like body hugging and, and they're all body con dresses that we, if we're not pregnant, I like you almost have this like, oh, I can't wear that because it shows everything. But when you're pregnant, you're like, I want it to show everything. I want it to show what I'm creating in here. Um, so yeah, I've rebranded my wardrobe and that really helped. Yeah, I think clothes can hold such a power over us in terms of, like, I remember that I have dresses in my wardrobe that even like years after, like pulling away from all of the stuff that I, I found myself engaging in, I still sort of secretly kept them in the wardrobe just in case, which is so poisonous. And and actually it, it, it creates such a weird mindset around clothes, whereas now I'm so unemotional and unattached about the um, size that's in the back of my clothes I don't, actually don't give a shit you know if it fits my body and it looks good that is the most important thing and I think that's such a nice nice piece of advice and actually on that as well you have an amazing partner and I love the relationship that you and have Matt have and 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 look I've seen it both on and offline but I wondered especially when you were talking about your pregnancy there and your changing body was that something that you guys spoke about together as well? And did he support you through the changes that you went through? And was it something that you kind of worked through as a couple in terms of you saying like, you know, I'm feeling how I'm feeling and, um, you know, that my body is changing, but I'm kind of really enjoying that process? There were so many moments where I would say to Matt, isn't it wild seeing me, like your wife, oh, your wife-to-be, we were engaged at the time, um, just growing. And surely for him, it, I, I would always think it's wilder for him and just uh, than it was for me because I was kind of, I knew that it was going to happen, whereas him watching it. But he, and do you know what others, I think it was only whilst we were having sex that I realised just how big I was. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm giant. Like I've, I've got so much more to me than you have in every way. Um, but oh, just talk, talking about sex, we had such an interesting conversation last night before we went to bed. Not after having sex because we didn't. We only have it once a month. And um, I, we went to, I was talking, I was saying like back when I was say like 16, 17, when, when you kind of discover what, what that is. Um, I used to think that sex correlated with love. And I used to think that that, like the more you had sex, the more you loved each other and the more that you were a, a couple and a, like, yeah. And now, now like six, seven years into our relationship and after a child as well, 
I, it's so different how my view on sex has changed. Like, it's lucky if we do it once every three, four weeks. And some people who don't, I, it, like, if someone said that to me before having Aurelia, like when we first started going out, I'd be like, what, are you okay? Do you need, do you need, like, some assistance in the bedroom? Like, are you, yeah. But now, oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine having it more than, and that's healthy for us. So anyway, sorry, yeah, whilst I was pregnant, Matt would always say, <laughs> A wonderful trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any chance to talk about sex and I'm there. Um, I love talking about other people's sex lives. Um, but yeah, I think he, I was sick a, a, a lot when I was pregnant. So I never really thought, all I thought was, is the like, is she okay inside me? And um, yeah, it, it, I think Matt seeing me come out of pregnancy was even more fascinating to him that he'd seen me grow this baby and then suddenly it was like oh my god she's here and you have like whatever was grown you just have it like left there and um he would he was so supportive I remember so clearly about eight nine days after um the cesarean I said to him I was like I want to walk up to the letterbox and he was like okay the letterbox is literally I'd say uh, I don't even know meters, but it's it, it'd say fifty steps, like maximum fifty steps. And um, and he said, do you, "Are you are you sure you you're ready?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm ready." And he had his arm like wrapped around me. Well, I had his I he had it like scooped underneath me, and he was just the most. Like, he was like my chief cheerleader, like throughout pregnancy and after, to get me feeling strong again and back on my feet. And yeah, he's never really commented on my body since having Aurelia in in a um aesthetic way like he he gives me compliments that are way more than my body and he's like you're so patient with Aurelia and you're um you're so strong like lifting her up and carrying her for the whole walk and but he's never said like wow like you look s- like sexy after having a baby or like nothing has he's never really yeah commented about my aesthetics which I love and I think that there's something in that in terms of when you see your body go through this massive shift, like you do have a different level of respect for it. And I, I can't speak from experience. I've not been, you know, I've not gone through that myself, but I do see that all of my amazing friends who have done it, it kind of gives you a whole new perspective on your body and your relationship with your body. And I think that just as I think you guys have had the most amazing experience in terms of that connection, the way you speak about stuff. And really what I'm getting from it is that really open line of communication that you talk about stuff, it's very out in the open and you have that which makes you and Matt feel relatively comfortable, I guess, in each other's kind of um, vibes and what you want from it. Um, But I think that there are some people for whom, you know, and, and I'd love to hear what you would advise in this sense, but who go through a pregnancy and who struggle to reconnect with their body who struggle to connect with their after, which they can appreciate has done an amazing thing, but also that feels so alien to them from where they were prior to that. And I know that you, and what I love about you, is that you have been so adamant to not rush your recovery, to not feel as though you have to sort of snap back into, in inverted commas, the body that you were in before. And I just wondered what advice you give to those people who sort of come to you and say, look, Tess, I love what you've done, but I just can't, I can't seem to have the same experience with my body. It's so true, Alice. I t- I think it took 
about a year and two months. So raised two in July. So that was, I think it's only been the last six months that I've actually rediscovered um, an appreciation for my body because there is so much pressure for all of us to go, oh, but your body's done an amazing thing. So just like, and but there is almost like a guilt for wanting to feel, not guilt, but there's but there's not uh, the unspoken of, actually, I want to feel as um, fit and as able as I was before pregnancy. Like I, I always say to you, my friends that are mums that are struggling, like struggling to reconnect, like you said, and that question was so lovely, Alice. I think, what advice would you give to your child that you've just given birth to? Like, what treating yourself how you treat your little newborn baby with the love and kindness and patience and time that you give them, and we do give our alls to uh, alls <laughs> we do give everything to them um and i i think try and take little bits from that and notice like okay i'm giving all this love to them or i'm feeding them and i'm giving them my entire body and i'm taking them for walks and i'm bathing them and i'm feeding them and all of these things that we do we become so many roles as a mother do all of those things for yourself and treat yourself how you are treating your little one because it's so easy just to get lost in like giving, giving, giving. And sometimes you can feel like you're kind of empty and there's nothing left for you, especially when your partner goes back to work or you're doing it on your own or your your family members who have come in to help uh, aren't there. Um, it's so easy to fall into that. And I would just say it takes nine, 10 months to create a child inside of you, you're not going to be ready or feeling like the you again until I'd say 10, 10 months to a year and a half. And it can take people until their children are teenagers to feel like they've got themselves back. Um, but one thing that has really, really helped me in the last six months is just having half an hour every Monday and sometimes every Friday with a trainer. And I know that that is accessible for me in terms of financially, but if you can find even just a friend that is interested in fitness or interested in getting stronger and like making sure it's in your diary, maybe when your baby's asleep or if your baby's very happy to play on the floor whilst you're training and just half an hour to kind of check in with each other and to go, right, let's move together. If it's outside, let's pop our phones up on FaceTime or on Zoom. And just having that half an hour slot that is just impo as important as like a meeting or going to get the shopping from your supermarket. Like it's, it is just as important. So putting yourself at the top of the priority list and just like making, yeah, those little chunks of time because even five minutes in the shower is a rarity and is like, at the beginning, you're like, how am I ever going to live like this again? But you do, you do find more moments as they get older. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. 
I would love to hear now, because you've sort of said in the last six months, you kind of reconnected with training, you found a new appreciation for your body and you slowly started to get back into, like, like you said, wanting to feel like the you before Aurelia. Um, what does your approach to well-being look like now? And what do you, what would you say is, you know, you just said you prioritise yourself and I think that's amazing, but what really is a priority to you in terms of your health and your fitness? For me, I want to be able to run away from a situation that I don't want to be in, whether that's dangerous or like a, a dangerous situation with a pram. And I want to be able to run, like get away from that. Um, and and I, I want it to be, I just see my fitness as the most functional and practical way of training that um so that I can lift Aurelia when she is getting heavier so that I can run after her in the park or just keep up with her and for me it's completely changed my idea of what health is and I'm definitely not the you I was before Aurelia because I feel like I'm a better I'm a better person than I was before Aurelia in every aspect. And that's not me, me being like, oh, I'm such a good person. But I just believe that I um, I do feel better in in every way. And that is that has kind of the catalyst is has been being pregnant and having uh, that new role as a mom. And I found just, yeah, making my weeks of training flexible like everyone's like oh how many days are you training and what what do you do and it is very flexible throughout the week because I, I like sometimes if I plan to do a workout and raise woken up then I can't do the one that I wanted to but I can get her in the pram and walk up to the park with her or something so it's just not having a set structure but a nice loose flexible idea of what you want to do and making sure that you really do prioritize that and I find with Matt I used to really envy him and feel like a real like I've never been a jealous person ever and I started to feel jealousy when I first started when I first had Aurelia because he could go for a run in the morning and I'd still be feeding Ray in bed and I hadn't even got out of my pajamas and I think a lot of a lot of mums can feel that towards their partner but now that she I've realized that I wasn't actually telling Matt actually I need to go for a walk and I need to do this and if you don't just like kind of speak up for yourself then who is going to and and they're not gonna they're not gonna read your mind they're not gonna go oh actually I mean Matt's very good at it now he understands that I I do need that that time without having to ask but making sure that your partner or whoever's supporting you knows that actually that half an hour is like precious and it is um, necessary. So yeah, just being vocal and open about what you really need, and you kind of work that out. You experiment. Like I'm not going to be bouncing on a trampoline anytime soon because no one wants to see that. But running <laughs> and <laughs> pelvic floor <laughs> oh I've worked it I promise um so yeah it's it's totally different yeah and I love seeing that and I think I have so loved seeing Chessie find her fitness vibe again because obviously that was the Chessie that I knew and it's been like I have to like be completely honest with you like I love nothing more than seeing my friends go through this incredible journey of motherhood like at no point would I ever and I know that you and I have had this conversation as well. Like you really inspire me to be a mum. I think there are certainly two 
narratives out there. There's one that makes me go, <laughs> fuck, I never want to have children in my life. And there's one that makes me go, oh my God, it looks so wonderful and exciting and I can't wait for that. And I think you're definitely one of those people that really makes me go, oh, wow. Like, yes, it's really hard, but it also looks so rewarding and so fun. And I think that particularly your fitness journey over the last sort of six months, as you said, you know, like it's not been you saying, okay, so I really want to get back my old body back and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, it's just been like, oh, I'm going to try running. And I'm, and, and I think like, you, like, it's nice. You've set yourself some tangible goals. You've been really specific about the things that you're going to do. Like you said, you've got a trainer, you, you, you've gone, um, you've got the, the app that you use for your running. Like it's not just been completely random, but it's also not been so, you know, uh, pressured or restrictive or anything that we, you know, you and I have both moved away from. And it's been really, really nice to see. And I think that that's such a good example of finding things you enjoy, making it flexible, making it realistic and, 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 you know, taking it as each day comes. Now, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is really around um, what surprised you most about becoming a mum? I know that you and I have had like a few conversations about being a mum, but actually, a lot of what we talk about isn't mum stuff because I don't have a child. So, <laughs> so we don't, and I just talk don't about want this, to bore you about. Yeah, that's no, so, I, there's so I kind much. of love it. But I'd love to know what surprised you most. <laughs> oh, God. the good, Maybe let's say the good bits. I um. Oh, my goodness. The fact that like I look at her fingernails and her little like knees and her things. And I'm like, how on earth did my body know how to create that? Like, how cool is that? And how like... She has, do you know what, one thing I love, and it's really, really made me think, my body is so normal. Um, the fact that you're literally, you grow, no, you, you, you grow, sorry, you're born with cellulite, you're born with dimples, you're born with, um, like, curves. Like, and I'm not, uh, like, for me to see Ray, like, stripped back, completely naked, I'm like, well, of course I have them, because I was born with them. I didn't just, like... There's all this stuff that's like, yeah. Anyway, so that that I love seeing, and um, it's just incredible to see what I made. I literally created that um, and designed. I think I designed her nails. They're not quite like mine, but they are um, <laughs> me with loads Design of nails. Design a baby. <laughs> Imagine, yeah. She's two months old, and she's got her first set of acrylics. <laughs> I would also say the amount of time that I have spent in a blackout room with white noise machine like I didn't even know what white noise was I remember Charlie Donder our mutual friend said oh definitely get a white noise machine I was like what on earth is white noise like and she was like oh there's also pink and there's brown I was like oh never it's never even near and now I know all the noises and um I really really have have to still like it still happens there are nights where I spend so long in there and I have to really think of all the people I like picture of picture all the people not necessarily mums the night shift workers the people who were up like I, I was thinking of a farmer the other day because I was like oh my god farmers have to be up at like three four in the morning to collect the eggs and milk the cows and like as a mum you're you're literally you feel like you're on your own and everyone's living their life outside of your house and you're the only one stuck in the room but like with your baby who's screaming at you um so yeah and that is just I mean honestly I I have taken myself to some dark, dark places and been really, really sad. Only last week we we were away and it was the most special. It, 
in my head, I was like, this should be the most special trip. Um, and I kept telling myself, like, drop those expectations. So you have a toddler. And then at the, in the last night, on the last night, I just burst into tears and like ran upstairs. Like, I can't do this anymore. And I had, like, it was so funny just having my mom, like, luckily my mom was there and she wrapped her arms around me and she was like, Chess, you did this to me. <laughs> like, you're such a hypocrite. Um, but it was really nice. I, I always, when Ray was tiny, used to picture my mum doing exactly the same thing to me and with me at the same age I was, because we were exactly the same age when we had, and I, and she had me and I had Aurelia. So there are loads of things that in like the list is never ending and there is, there's so much still to come. And a lot of people love to say like, oh, just you wait and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, but the waiting, like the just you wait is the best bit. Like I love seeing all the different things that she's learning. And yeah, she's got a, she's got a feisty punch on her. Look at this, Alice, that, I've got a little cut on my nose. That is from her yeah. um, book. She decided a book was going to be uh, a weapon. I, I sometimes have that, you know, I just, <laughs> just it comes out of me, just comes out of me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll be serious. <laughs> what would you say has really helped your mental health. And actually, I want to lead this on to talking about babyhood because I would love to hear about what led you to create it because it's obviously like your your um, incredible platform that you created as a support for, for new mums. But what did you feel was missing that I guess led you to, to make a platform that really helped people in a way that maybe they weren't being helped before? The four pillars that babyhood is kind of built upon is sleep feeding brain and body. And I felt like there was just... No way you could get all that information in one spot. And the experts are absolutely worth this money. But for an hour consultation, it would be £250. And I think that's absolutely extortionate for the majority of the world. Um, and I wanted to make something that was affordable, accessible and and so easy to like kind of absorb that information. And um, I wanted pe- like mums, so there's four, it's for the first 40 days, but there's four videos in every single day. So you have, the, you have the experts basically leading you through and guiding you through the first 40 days. Um, and I just wanted them all. They all helped me so ex- they were extraordinary helps, basically, in, and supports in the first um, three months for me, the fourth trimester that everyone calls it. And I just wanted everyone to have access to them. I just wanted them to feel like they were in the room with them through video content that was all captioned so you can watch it while your baby's hopefully sleeping. And um, yeah, I just wanted, I wanted everyone, I wanted to scream and shout about them and for everyone to know that they actually weren't on their own doing this. And yeah, um, it, yeah, it's, it's helped a lot of parents and that's what's so rewarding. Like uh, out of all the products I've ever thought about in my entire life and all the campaigns that I've ever done, like that one, the babyhood just is the most fulfilling knowing that I'm supporting new parents and not necessarily mums. Like there's so many dads that watch it and go, thank you so much for making it. Yeah, I think it is an amazing platform. And I personally think not being a mum myself, but but I'm going to speak, I guess, a little bit for them is, is, is that feeling of not being so alone. You know, like I remember 
you know, a lot of my friends that I've spoken about, and I'm thinking about one friend in particular, um, my friend Lottie, who I hope she's not me mentioning her, but, you know, like she had moved to a new area. She had two young children under two. And I think she was just like, oh my God, like I need a little bit of assistance. And I think that, you know, um, there's a lot of people that just need something or someone to give them that little bit of guidance that can really help you onto the right path. And I think that, you know, when you grow up and you play babies when you're a kid, like you just think, oh, this is so wonderful. And I think the reality of it has really been brought home for me for sure in terms of Paddy and I have had long conversations about whether or not we want to have children and what that will do to our lives and, you know, whether we're fully prepared for that. And I think that what's really nice is there's people like you who are giving that realistic expectation of what being a parent is so that people like myself can look at it and go, okay, it looks really hard. It looks challenging and there's going to be some really horrible days ahead. But there's also like such rewarding aspects of being a parent that, that, definitely make me want to you know hopefully at some point if I'm fortunate enough have my own children um and I think that things like babyhood give you that little bit of a handhold for people that are like I don't know where to turn I need a little bit of advice give them that bit of it's okay let me take you through this let me hold your hand and make sure that you don't feel so alone and I just love that and I think in opposition to that, the next thing that I just wanted to talk about, because we've gone all over the all over the houses <laughs> today, as with most of my podcasts, I tend to go all over the place because I love it. Um, I but one of the things I did want to ask about just before we wrap is um, in opposition to the kindness and the love and the um, generosity that you shared with babyhood. I wondered if you'd found the shift in terms of your online presence difficult through motherhood. I know that a lot of people speak about the kind of mumfluencer, I'm going to use that word, world to be a really challenging one and one that is just full of, uh, you know, people sort of telling you that you're doing things right or wrong or, you know, whatever. How have you found the online space since becoming a mom? Hilariously, Alice, I genuinely haven't, and I it's so weird, I haven't experienced the mum police because, and I know that this is quite a few things. One, I don't show Aurelia's face unless it's close friends, which, you know, is basically just a shrine <laughs> to Aurelia and the only way yeah. that all my best friends can see her. Um, right. I and love her so much. I, oh, she's so Alice. She goes Alice to others. Every time she hears your voice, she honestly just like, oh, her I smile. love her. Um, so <laughs> she loves you. Um, I think that it's definitely because I don't share her her face, so there's no, yeah, that that's part of it. I also don't share that much on like, this is what I'm doing. So this, like, it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come across and clearly it doesn't, but like, I don't really give specific advice. I kind of just talk about my general experience. Um, and I was quite careful with that because specific advice, I just feel like from someone that isn't qualified to give that, I only ever wanted to speak from like, yeah, my, my, my personal life and what I've experienced with Ray. And Thirdly, I don't look for it, Alice. I don't, it's like I'm almost like, you know, blinkered, like a horse with blinkered. I've experienced so much hate in the past and we both have um, through sharing a lot of our life. And I just think that this is like a season of my life that I don't want to see any of that. So I, I genuinely don't, I don't look for it. I don't see it. Um, it's like a self-harm if uh, that I used to kind of abuse myself with to go and like find it. And we both know that there are horrible sites that do speak about us. And I think good for you. 
like have a lovely, have a lovely time chatting about someone you've never met. And I always think if, if, if they sat with me and like, or not just sat, lived with me for a, a week, like I would invite them into my house for a week and they could spend an entire t- like week with me. And if they still hated me after that week, 100%, you have the right to. But the fact that you're literally judging us on 15 seconds of content that you probably have shared around all your mates and said, oh God, I, I, I mean, I've had a few of those where they've sent it to me and not to other, not to their friends. And I'm like, oh, but um, I genuinely think I've just not looked for it and therefore I haven't seen it. And and w- when I was pregnant, I never thought I wouldn't share Aurelia's face. Like I didn't even think about it. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And then when she was born, I felt so protective over... Well, you do. Your your job as a parent is to protect them and, and in every single way. Um, and I just would hate for anyone to comment on her appearance or her, just like how she looks. And that's all that they can do really on social media. And then for her to go into school and be like, oh, did you see what that person said about you and that person? Like, I want her to have a blank canvas starting off in life. And I don't want, I want her to have the choice when she's old enough, if she wants to be on it, fair enough. Like I will give her the freedom to with obviously a little bit of security. I'll be her bodyguard. But um, yeah, it's it's a wild world out there. And, and Matt and I had a long conversation about it and we were both kind of shocked that we even like thought about it. And we both just went, I think she was like six days old. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to share her face. And it was before we'd even posted about her. And he was like, neither do I. And... Yeah, it's it's so strange as well because my friends who share their children's faces online, I think it's your choice as a parent. Absolutely, there are so many reasons why they want to and so many reasons why I've chosen not to. But I find it wild when we're out that children are recognised before them. And with Aurelia, everyone goes, oh my God, is that what she looks like? Oh, she's so cute and whatever. And I think that that's so lovely that like it should be. I think it, uh, for me, I, I I think that I did the right thing and I'm doing the right thing for her. It's such a murky world, isn't it? And I think that we are not even at the point where like the kids that are growing up online are old enough to sort of turn around and say, well, hang on a second, I didn't consent to that or whatever. And I do think it's such a, an interesting um, kind of dynamic. And I I really hope that when I reach that point, like I, I, I hope that I navigate that well as well because I do think it's really, really hard. And like, can you imagine what you do? Like, I think I'd literally sit and cry my eyes out if someone criticised how my like baby looked. Like, can you imagine doing that to someone? But there are people out there who do. So it's like, why would you even entertain that? I just think, yeah, keep it off. All right, my sweet. Well, I feel like we've just done so much and covered so much. And I think that it's been really nice to hear about, really for you, you span so much in terms of what you've done over the last 10 years and, and and where you've gone with your journey. And it's been really interesting to hear about how you've navigated all of that. Um, my final question to you, and actually I haven't done this yet. I think you're the first person that I am going to ask this to, but what gives you the most strength? Not just because I'm speaking to you, but my friends genuinely give me more strength than I can even like muster up myself. I think my my female friends, especially watching them do incredible things and then knowing that they will literally just pick up the phone and or answer a WhatsApp or voice note back, however you best communicate. Um, 
Let's <laughs> <laughs> just give a little background to that. Alice and I, Jessie's giving me a sly dig there because I never no, replied to her voice note. <laughs> I'm not. I said, I said, give me a call first because Alice, Alice communicates best when you pick up the phone and we speak on on a on a on a call. Um, but I, I, I genuinely, or when you meet in real, like our, our meetings in real life are the best in the world. Our meetings are our time in real life. Um, but my, yeah, my female friends that are doing phenomenal things in whatever aspect of their life they are um, achieving in, which is basically all aspects because they are incredible. And yeah, they that gives me so much strength in knowing that like I have the support of all of them. I feel just like indestructible with my friends. And um, yeah, it's the like my friends are the happiest. They give me and you have all given me like the happiest times in my entire life. And I can actually say I love you all collectively way more than I love Matt on his own. <laughs> <laughs> he won't have listened to this far. I just have to say as well, like, and, and that's one thing like we didn't go into female friendships, which would be a whole nother conversation. I'd actually love to cover that topic with, with you at some point. But I think that one thing that I genuinely admire most about you is how much you support your female friends. And that's like a genuine support, you know, like it's nothing like uh, my experience of female friendships growing up has been quite poor. And I think that I still find it hard. You know, I... I would say even now, you know, like my my best friend being a guy and Lewis and like my closest friends, like not having loads of girlfriends, I still find it like something that I'm learning to be better at. But one thing that I have really learned from you as a friend is just how much you genuinely support your female friends. And just to, to, to hear that that gives you strength is is I can just I know that that's obviously like 100 percent true because I've seen it myself that it's such a a nice thing to see when someone can be genuinely happy for your success and you can be genuinely happy for their success. And I think that um, that is a wonderful thing to give you strength and is very, very special. And I love that for you. So yeah. You give me strength. I adore you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, my love. I've so enjoyed it. And I get to see you tomorrow as well, which is just even more exciting. But tomorrow (laughs) is very exciting. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. And I will, um, yeah, I really look forward to seeing you tomorrow. And one thing to say to those listening, we will put the link to Babyhood in the notes if you want to go and check that out. Thank Uh, you. And thank you so much for your time, Chess. Have a glorious day, everyone. Lots of love. so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that episode i would love it if you could take some time to rate review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out see you next time insanity group